0: Last week we talked about Romans eight. Who's here last week? Who's here? Who watched? Four people. God, it seemed like there were more of you. But yeah, Baymax is the Holy Spirit. There we go. Uh, who watched Big Hero six afterwards? Yeah, it's an awesome movie, right? It's really good. Um, so good stuff. So last week uh, we talked about here. I'll do a quick review for those of you that were not here. Um, last week, we, we used the, the movie Big Hero 6. We talked about Baymax as the Holy Spirit. And um, talked about following the Holy Spirit at a high level. Talked about following the Holy Spirit leads to life and peace. That the Holy Spirit connects us deeply to God. Um, that you are chosen, called, restored, and empowered. You're all four of those things. If you're any one of them, you are all four. Not just one. Um, and then, of course, that absolutely nothing can separate you from the love of Christ uh, at all. And and then the last kind of overarching thing was be satisfied with your care. Um the Holy Spirit is God's way of caring for us and be satisfied with that care that he brings you. Um so today we're going to talk about Romans 8. What? <laughs> you just talked about Romans 8. I did, but I skipped big chunks of it and there's a couple of areas that I want to just focus in on. Um so, you guys were so excited about Romans 8 last time, we'll do it again, okay? I feel like I want to just hug you guys all up in the front, it's so awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so uh, let's, uh, let's pray and get started. God, we thank you so much for, for worship this morning, for our time together as family and friends. Lord, we ask that you would uh, speak to us now, Lord, that you would, through your word, draw us closer to you, make us more like you. Amen. Amen. So Romans 8, um, you know, I was praying about this a lot. And um, I, what I really felt like uh, talking about was peace, was about the peace of God. But I've talked about, I've talked about peace before, and what I uh, recognize is that when I talk about peace, I'm talking about something. I'm, t- I'm describing that thing to you. And today, I guess, uh, as, I, as I wrestled with this and prayed about it, I felt like, this was the thing that God wanted to me, to, me to speak about today. Um, it is not the thing I want to speak about today, um, but I think it is connected to peace, and we'll see. Um, the reason it's not the thing that I want to speak about today is because it's about sin, and I hate talking about sin. I'm going to let you guys in on a, on a secret, but don't tell anybody. It's because I'm a sinner, and I totally hate talking about it. Right? Anybody else? Just me and Wally. Okay, so uh, there's a couple of others. I no, I'm serious. I really do I hate talking about it. I hate when I, when I speak, or even when I go somewhere and I listen to somebody talking about sin and our sinful behavior and those kinds of things, I, it just uh, I just don't like it, and it's mostly because I still do it.? Right? And I just it's frustrating for me. Um, so let's read a little bit here, and then we'll, we'll dig in. Uh, Romans 8, I'm going to start in verse 7, because that's kind of where uh, this whole section right here, I left out last time, and I told you if you wanted to beat yourself up about sin, you could do it on your own time. Well, I'm going to go go ahead and come back and do it for a little bit, uh, but not beat you up on it at all. Um, starting in verse 7, it says, For uh, the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Man, that's, that's quite an opening, right? Sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. Man. Um, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Um, so it's, it's such great stuff, such great stuff, um, but also very hard that you know, we have this sinful nature in us. That's what we're born with. We're born with a sinful nature, and it separates us from God. It's hostile, actually hostile, aggressive towards God. Um, and it, and it's never going to change. It's not like you can change your sinful nature and just tame it, make it okay. It's it's always been um, at odds with God, and it always will. Um, but we're not controlled by that sinful nature. If we call ourselves Christians and we have the Spirit of, uh, Spirit of Christ in us, the Holy Spirit is in us, and uh, that has now changed us and made us so that we we aren't controlled by that anymore you guys with me yes and that um that spirit of christ living in us uh, has made us right with god you guys remember i don't know maybe it was three or four weeks ago um, i talked about uh, righteous about being righteous and we watched clips from thor you guys remember that and we talked about righteousness um so That's that little right with God thing. It's the same word. So this is our break for Greek and we'll have one more. Uh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Some guys are excited about that. Um, So dikaios is the same word. It's translated here as right with God. It's translated in the other passage in James that we looked at as righteous. And we had a list of things that we said this is what it means. It's observing the divine laws it's being upright. It's being. Um, innocent or faultless or worthy or approved, acceptable. But then the final part of the definition is what we zeroed in on quite a bit, and it's thinking, feeling, and acting that is wholly conformed with the will of God. Thinking, feeling, and acting that's wholly conformed with the will of God. God has made us, uh, God has made us through His Holy Spirit right with Him. He's made us pure and righteous and holy. Right? And we talked about uh, that time that it's not really something that we have to really work towards. It's something we have to accept, we have to embrace, that righteousness righteousness that has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. So I think, uh, you know, we believe that, that stuff that we read in there, we believe that sinful nature is hostile to God, right? We know that. Everybody know that? We all know that. Um, and we believe that Christ lives w- within us and that, Christ has made us right with God through the Holy Spirit, yet we struggle. We still struggle. We know it's true that this sinful nature is hostile, separates us from God. Uh, We know that God, through his Holy Spirit, has made us right with him, and we still struggle. Why is that? Let's talk about it a little bit more. We also, um, I think, sometimes believe that, well, there must be a process. There must be like, some formula, some things that we do, and if we do these things, then it will make us right with God or make us act like we're right with God. It will make us not sin anymore. We'll be okay if we just, we say our prayers at these times, we, you know, we have these, uh, these kinds of friends, we go to these kinds of services, we go to these kinds of conferences, we do these things, um, and that will make us right with God. Or maybe we think that I'm missing an experience if I go and I have this deep encounter with god that will that will transform me and change me, and I will no longer sin I, I just won't do it anymore, but yet we still struggle we have those experiences, we try these things um, and and we still struggle I still struggle um, so you know I, I think that there's there's more to it still maybe broadly we have this I heard it described this way as a quietism or a pietism we have this belief that well it you know through uh, through christ alone you know that that god will do the work and we just we do nothing that god does the work right it's it's not i but christ and there's lots and lots of pa- passages that you can read about that not through works but by christ right um or there's pietism pietism is Hey, it's, it's piety. I'm going to be super strict, super holy. I'm going to only do these things. I'm going to only talk to these people. I'm only going to look at these things, eat these things, drink these things. And I'm, and I'm uh, full of piety. So maybe we have these kinds of extreme views. They're both biblical. They're both right. You'll find lots and lots of passages about them. But on their own, they're incomplete. Either one, if we say just Christ and Christ alone, and I, and I don't have action in it, um, it's incomplete. If we say my works and the things that I do are what make me right with God, well, then it's all on our own effort. That's incomplete. There's a, there's a full view um, that we have to take of, of everything we read in the Bible. It's not just... Uh, these little passages, these little, these little things we pull out, it's all of it. Um, and, and all of it, the hard part about that is that there's not a formula, there's not a specific experience. There's this big word that you guys have probably heard called sanctification. Isn't that an awesome word? It's a great word. So sanctification just means uh, same thing, being made holy we, and, and being made right with God. So people talk about sanctification i've heard this said this way too that that you can't be uh that you can't be sanctified by spiritual discipline but you'll never be sanctified without it get that you can't be sanctified through spiritual discipline uh, but you'll never be sanctified without it um there's a there's a fantastic book called celebration of discipline if you've not read richard foster's book please 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 read it really great book um And Richard Foster says it this way. He says, by themselves, spiritual disciplines can do nothing. They can only get us to a place where something can be done. They are God's means of grace. And and I, I restate it this way, that the disciplines are not a thing that we do. It's a place that we go to be changed by God. They aren't the things that we do. They're the place that we go to be changed by God. So the time that we spend in meditation, the time that we spend in worship, the time that we spend in prayer, those things alone by themselves don't change us. Those are the places that we go so that God, through his Holy Spirit, can change us and transform us. Does that make sense? It's, it's a nuance. It seems like a slight difference, but it's, it's the difference of a farmer saying, I make corn grow. No, you put corn in the ground and you wait. And God makes corn grow. Right? Rain comes down, waters your plants, and then they grow. Right? Even if they have a sprinkler system. Okay? <laughs> um, Paul puts it this way a couple of different places. Romans 8, wh- what we read last week, says no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. And then in Philippians, he talks about it as Working out your salvation with fear and trembling those are that's the combined approach of that um, quietism and pietism it 's God uh, God doing the work and us working with God it's both and we work out our salvation actively. We live through the spirit it's not something that we can predict or organize or structure, um, but it 's something that we must organize and structure so we have to do these things to be changed by god we have to work out our salvation we have to follow after the spirit we have to be in a place where we can hear the voice of god or guess what we will never hear the voice of god right we must stop and listen or we will never hear the voice of god so in romans uh, 8 in verse 13 what we read earlier um, was was through 11. And there's, we're going to look at something in verse 13. Um, actually, I'll, p- I'll put that up first here. Uh, and then we'll, we'll jump back to it. it. says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death, The deeds of your sinful nature you will live. So he says, therefore, remember all the things that we read uh, through verse 11. Uh, Someone told me, if it says therefore, you have to stop and wonder what's the therefore, therefore? Well, it's there for us to understand that because of all that, all those things that we read about uh, God's Spirit in us setting us free, uh, we no longer have obligation uh, to live according to our sinful nature we don't have to obey it anymore because of that we're free from it um in verse 13 it says if you live by its dictates you will die uh so sometimes we think about this reigning in our sinful behavior or or doing the right things in our lives as as optional i mean grace and all right we we can do those things or not you know it's all it's all okay Not everybody works at it, and they're Christian, so I'm not going to work at it. You know, because I'm a Christian and they're a Christian, and we don't work at it together. Um, But I think verse 13 kind of says something different, right? I mean, verse 13 says if if you live by the dictates of your sinful nature, you will die. And this is not a you're going to die. Of course, we're all going to die a physical death. This is talking about a spiritual separation from God. If you live this way, it, it separates you from God. Um, so it makes it a, a mandatory thing. It's something that is required. It's not optional for us. We must figure out how to rein these things in in our lives. <coughs> so the, the last part of this, uh, after that... Um, that don't know if that's a, a threat or a warning or a promise or I'm not sure what to call that really but uh, the part in 13 where it says if we if we don't rein this in if we don't live our lives uh, in a way that that really is led by the spirit then we will die um, in 14 it says for all who are led by the spirit are children of God <coughs> so you have not received Spirit that makes you fearful slaves, instead you receive God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children. We now call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit and af- to affirm that we are God's children. So we do this all with the promise that um, now it joins us and makes us uh, sons and daughters, sons and daughters of God, uh, brothers and sisters together uh, of God. I want to take another quick little break for Greek, and this time we're going to step it up a notch, and some Aramaic, right? Uh, we're going to mix that in. Yeah, I know. Bring it, right? Um, so in Aramaic, uh, which is that this word Abba that we, that we read and talk about all the time, um, there's this word Abba, and it appears in the New Testament all of three times. Um, it's not this really common word, because it's Aramaic. It's not Greek. Um, but it's always followed by, the three times are in Mark and Romans and then in Galatians, but each time it's followed by this Greek word, hopater, uh, um, which um, is father. Right? So it's Abba, father. Um, and <coughs> so it's been translated a couple of times. There's, uh, people think about this as, well, they used it because it's a familiar word uh, like papa. But uh, it turns out there is a Greek word um, for father called papas, but they didn't use that word. They used Abba, father, instead. And some people have said, well, it's just, a, it's just a translation thing. It was common at the time, so it's father, father. And some have translated it and said, well, no, it means daddy. It's this intimate. So you guys probably all heard that. It's daddy, father, and it's this more deep kind of intimate uh, term. Well, th- a part of that is because I guess in, in modern Aramaic, that's true, Um, But at the time, it was not true, actually. It just meant father, dad, papa. Um, (coughs) But what's interesting about it, and the reason I point it all out, one, to say that I I shared Aramaic, which is pretty exciting. Um, But also, um, it was just regular regular talk, but it was regular talk that Jesus used. So Jesus spoke Aramaic all the time. Um, the, The Jews spoke... Uh, some Aramaic because they lived in that area as well. Um, the Greeks didn't really speak Aramaic, so the Jews think of that as sort of um, a little too intimate or it's not, uh, not really uh, proper. It's irreverent to use that. Well, and then the Greeks, they didn't speak Aramaic, so they don't use it. Um, what that meant is that as people used it, what they're doing is saying, Abba, Father, you know the one Jesus talked about. It became a uniquely Christian phrase um, to be written in Greek, um, but an Aramaic word that means, you know, the Father of Jesus, the one that he talks about. So when he talks about it, you get to call him "Abba Father," we call out to him. It really is just a, a reconnection with that adoption again. Um, it's It's a word that we uniquely get to use the way Jesus used it, to say father he my father that's it and there's a translation in it abba father and then that phrase becomes this uniquely christian thing we refer to god as abba father because jesus referred to his god as abba father so we share together now as brothers and sisters with christ an abba father make sense okay